Hello, and welcome to Because of the Times, episode 13. For this conversation, I went to Shisha Nation territory to visit with Hiwas, Nation's hereditary chief. As a spiritual and cultural leader, he's a man with the most authority to speak of the significance of maintaining cultural integrity and cultivating native traditions among the members of the nations, but also in the region. Hewis shares his story of regaining spiritual strength within himself and his family, and shares his views as to how he sees the future of the local community. I've been looking forward to this episode nearly from the beginning of this podcast series. Please share it with your friends and give it a rate in Spotify. Thanks for listening. Let's have a conversation. Please tune in to Because of the Times. excited to be here <laughs> on Saturday night yeah I was hosting um, uh, a Mexican dawn uh, of the lineage of peyote uh, uh, medicine plant medicine and we had a ceremony on Saturday night that I until the very last minute I wasn't sure if I'll participate but something told me like okay you're you're gonna do it so I joined and I was really glad and participating in that ceremony and hearing about his role in his community um, really r- resonated with what you said on Friday where we met briefly and he he plays similar role in his community in Jalisco in Mexico uh, of a storyteller and a culture keeper and and you know I could really feel that that resemblance to your role uh-huh. And that made me because I didn't have opportunity to sit down with him, and my Spanish is very poor, and he doesn't speak any English, so we didn't have time to exchange uh-huh. any any conversation, other than what uh, his helpers were translating. So I don't know. It made me really excited about today. <laughs> so I'm sitting today here with he was the hereditary chief of Shisha Nation, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to this conversation. Already. Yeah, I wanna. I would like you to introduce yourself a bit more. <laughs> Yeah, he was Jim Squish. Uh, yeah, I, I originated here at Seashelt, I guess in 1945. As it turned out, it was the coldest winter in 200 years, as my mother later told me and shared with me. I was born in a little cedar shack down in the waterfront here, mm-hmm. where my grandfather wrapped me the blanket and gave me my name. But I didn't realize at that time that uh, I was born hereditary chief. So, as I grew older, I realized that uh, there was something different about me, I guess. My aunties, my uncles, and relatives all treated me very special. And uh, so I got to realize, like, when in my 20s, I was being trained and groomed to be a leader. So that was, I guess I realized that and that was my destiny to be a chief, a leader. Mm. And uh, my whole life was built around me that way. And part of that story, I guess, is because um, part of my lineage is uh, being related to Squawquiam, who was my great-grandfather, who was a storyteller, but he was also a historian. And the word Squaquiam 
in our language, that, that's what it means. It means storyteller. So that was my great-grandfather. Mm. And uh, I grew up with my grandfather, his son, who took me out in the land and shared with me the teachings about the land and the people and the language, which were one and the same. So the Shishath language is for the Shishath people who live and dwell in the Shishath nation. So you have to understand that. They're all, they're all connected. The land, the people, and the language. We originated in this land and we will all die in this land. Like we lost an elder last night. And uh, I guess the difference between the cultures in the world, we remain in our land. We may leave for a while, but we all come back. Mm -hmm. And it's like a magnet. We don't understand it, but we all have that longing to be in the land. And not just being on the land, but being by the ocean. So those things have always been in our lives, historically. And we've lived in this land for thousands and thousands of years. And they're just discovering now, you know, through the diggings and grave sites, that our people have been here 4,500 years or more now, as they keep discovering. But we know and understand our own people. We've been here for more than 10,000 years because the legends and the stories talk about that. Mm -hmm. They talk about the old days and how we came to be and how we originated on this land. So we have to keep those stories going through drumming and singing and storytelling mm -hmm. uh, so that the young ones, they know and understand where they come from, mm -hmm. the different families. And not just knowing where they come from, but have a, have a feeling for the land where they, they love the land, they care for the land and what the land provides. And the land did provide for our people for thousands of years, not just in the foods, but in the medicines, mm. the medicines that kept us healthy, mind, body, spirit, which included spirituality, and we have our own spirituality. Mm -hmm. We're not, we're not, we're not part of different religions in the world like um, Roman Catholics or mm -hmm. Anglicans or evangelistic people or, or that kind of thing. Um, I think our religion is, like I stated, it's, it's part of the land and part of the people. Because we lived in harmony in our land for thousands of years. And not only did we live in harmony with the land, but we, we lived in harmony with one another and also with uh, 
the animals and the resources in our territory. We got to know and understand how the grizzly bear lived, mm -hmm. how the mount, how the mountain goat, the wolves survived, and they were our teachers. They taught us how to survive in this harsh land. You know, following their example mm -hmm. of the things that they ate and and uh, where they where they gathered those those kind of foods and medicines. So we got to learn from them throughout the years. And that sustained us for thousands of years because uh, our people never knew any medicines or illnesses like um, cancer or mental illness or TB or, mm -hmm. or smallpox or any kind of those diseases. We, we never had those things. Our, our lives were very wholesome and the wellness of our people was always paramount. And I say that because our medicine women took care of our people and they're the ones that gathered the medicines, they're the ones that labeled them, they're the ones that knew how to use the medicines for various reasons, they knew how to mix it and I think because of that um, what we had consumed in our soups and in our, in our foods were these medicines that prevented all that. Mm -hmm. So it was more about prevention than anything else. And treatment. Yeah, yeah and mm -hmm. uh, these medicine women knew that. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I say that because um, in my family there were a lot of medicine women. My aunties, my grandmothers were all powerful medicine women. And it's always women that hold that knowledge? Pretty well, yeah. yeah. There was maybe one or two shamans who took care of the entire band and who collaborated with other shamans from different villages and they healed in a different way. They had enough power to to bring back life. They had enough power to to find out why people were dying and different things. So those shamans were very, very powerful and they lived in isolation. Mm -hmm. to build on our power, to not be contaminated by any other families or people. Is that role still a thing today? Um, not really, no. Um, we know a lot about it, but for a person to have that gift, and if you realize that you have that gift, then you have to go and live like a monk, in other words. Mm -hmm. You have to go live in isolation and gain the power that you're going to need to heal. Mm. So I don't think any of our people, our young men, are ready for that, mm -hmm. you know. And the way the world is now, we're not only discovering one another, but we're discovering that collaborating with different ways of healing now in modern-day medicine including psychology and whatnot, um, can be all can be all utilized by the human race. 
you know, I don't think, don't think we have to go back to the old, old ways. But if we do combine modern ways of medicine, then I think it'll serve a purpose. Mm. Anyway, that's what I personally believe. And uh, at my age, I, I use all of those tools to keep myself healthy. Mm -hmm. And I will be 79 in about four weeks. So I'm going to be pushing the 80s pretty quick here. Mm -hmm. And then the hundreds are going to come. Well, you seem like you're in a very good health. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You yeah. feel content and happy with the life that you have right now? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, um, I think that's part of being present here in the village. I'm surrounded by relatives and family and the environment. Um, we, we more or less take care of one another all the families and I think that speaks to a lot to our culture mm -hmm. that we've always been together we always lived in harmony and uh, we will continue to do so and there's a lot of young people here now who are, who are discovering different herbs and medicines that our old people used mm -hmm. so they're they're bringing those back too mm -hmm. So, I think um, in my village, anyway, I think um, whatever the world brings, we're going to survive. You know, as long as you cultivate your own culture and and ways. Yeah, and beliefs. Yeah, and beliefs. You know, beliefs is a big thing. Mm -hmm. um, historically, our people always believed that we were very independent people. Our tribe was very independent and very powerful in terms of uh, the way we healed ourselves, the medicines, very powerful in the way we protected one another and uh, protected our land. And a lot of other tribes know and understand that. And I think I shared that story with you when I was over at the, in the Sioux Nation. And they knew all about us. Mm -hmm. and they, they knew it by communicating telepathically. Mm -hmm. Even the medicine men in Peru knew that, and I never understood that until I met them. Mm -hmm. That we do, we do communicate, and we are very much the same. So you mentioned earlier, last time we talked, that um, you had to get back on that spiritual path, which I understood that you weren't on it for the longest time. And was it your mother that made you do that? Yeah, my mother, um, she um, knew and understand about the spirituality of our people. And she was present when the uh, missionaries and the Indonesians banned all that. So we were forced to give up the way we practiced our spirituality and our culture. Mm -hmm. The singing, dancing, and all those things. My mother took it on as a purpose to revive that in the 60s. And she brought back many medicine men to this village. And I met many of them because I was a young chief then. But she always had in her mind to, we needed to revive that in order to be a whole people again, mm -hmm. mind, body, and spirit. 
So what was her name? Mary Amelia was her name. And then the... Hatsulowit was her traditional oh, name. Okay. So, um, yeah, so we all listened to my mother and my family. We all went away and became spirit dancers, you know, about almost going on 20 years now. Mm-hmm. But that was a missing link in my in my life that I never knew about until my mother reintroduced me into it, and I got to realize that we needed to incorporate that in our lives. Uh, and I'm really happy that we did because I live the life now. I, you know, I still do my spirit bathing. I still. I still sing and dance, and it's all about it's all about releasing. Like we do this every winter, mm. and modern day psychology, it's a way of releasing everything that's being held by your mind, body, spirit throughout the year. You have to wash that away every year mm. and start over again. Is there like an event that you organize? Yeah, we go to the longhouse, like. We were supposed to be at the Longhouse tonight, oh, wow. but because we had a death, right. I'm, I'm thinking that it's going to be postponed. Mm-hmm. But there's other Longhouses throughout the um, Lower Mainland that I go to, too. If there's a special event, then I'll go there to sing and dance also. Mm-hmm. And the people there know who I am. So, yeah, not just this nation, but other nations are reviving that. Mm. So what would you say the the spirituality now is cultivated? How do the uh, younger generations respond to that? Are they responsive to those traditions and learning them? Yeah, slowly. Um, in the beginning, they were kind of afraid of it. Because when you're taken, you're taken and you're put into isolation for like three months. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you learn how to relive your life mm. you put away your old life and you bring out your new life and that takes a lot of sacrifice and a whole new experience and I think in the beginning our young people were kind of hesitant or afraid to enter that realm of spirituality but once you're in it it's just so glorifying I mean I, I look forward to it every year to go back and just release and revive mm-hmm. the spirit. Mm. So I, um, I see young people are now picking up the drum and they're learning songs. So I think that's a good beginning um, because the drum is medicine. The drum brings messages from the past through songs. And I talk about that in that film, mm-hmm. about the songs are always there. They're in the waves, they're in the, they're in the trees, the branches, they're in the breeze. You just have to pay attention and listen to it. The music is there. It's up to you to pick it up. Mm-hmm. So I think our young people are doing that now. Yeah. So that's a good beginning. Yeah. Does the, I mean, you can't, it's kind of unquestionable that because of such 
big influence of the Western world in here, and then you know, I'm sure the younger populations are affected by it to a, to a big extent. Um, how do you uh, kind of work with it or work around it or trying to separate or do you tr do they blend the two ways of you know living, you know because. I can see that the nation has its own kind of specific way of, of being, right? But for me as an outsider, say I only arrived here seven years ago, and for me, if I just drive into Seychelles, and I, it's not very recognizable. Like I can't see, a, oh, this is the, the, the nation's land, you know, and how, where's the kind of the border or something, you know, like it's pretty the same to, to an outsider, you would think. So I can imagine that the in, um, influence of the Western culture is, it must be pretty big on the younger generation, right? Even through like devices and TV and, and how they're being brought up. So do you guys talk about it? Do you? Yeah, we know and understand. Like our situation, geographically where we're located. Yeah. We are surrounded. Yeah. There's no escaping. Right. So we have to contend with it. And we, our old people, tended to uh, blend it. Right. So like when we, when we decided to get rid of the residential schools, the government came forward and said, well, we'll build you your own school if you want. Mm -hmm. We will, you can hire your own teachers. You can do all those things. So that word was brought to our elders and our elders at that time said, no, we don't want to be isolated anymore. Mm -hmm. We want our children to attend normal, normal schools. So the leadership decided then we would send our children to the public schools mm -hmm. and we would, we would share with them our culture. And over the last 40, 50 years, that's what we've done. Right. So the high schools, the middle schools and the kindergarten schools, they all teach the children about our culture and our language mm -hmm. and they know who we are. Right. And I think that that whole movement was in the right direction because the community here is growing and we are, we are now part of it. We're part of the planning, we're part of... Uh, the rebuilding of our municipalities mm -hmm. and we're involved mm -hmm. whereas in the past inclusion was a foreign word to us mm. we were never considered to be a people right. we were never considered human beings but now we are we are we are uh, recognized mm -hmm. as the owners of this land and the people here are our guests and we've said that out in public, I've said it when I was a chief, that we're not here to eliminate these people, we're here to collaborate with them. Mm -hmm. We're here to try to make this municipality better than it ever was. Mm. And because we have the tools to do so then, let's work together to do that. That's great to hear. So that reconciliation process that's ongoing and been uh, kind of acknowledged by the government too of Canada, 
Is that something that... How do you see it? Is it enough? I think we were doing reconciliation way before the government announced that. Yeah. Like, we knew... We knew that... And Chief Dan George talks about that. Mm -hmm. He knew and he devised a song about that. That these new people that are coming into our land... We were never going to be able to stop it. They're going to just keep coming and coming. Mm -hmm. So we're going to have to find ways to accommodate that. So that's what... So like Sawilatooth, Muskiem, Squamish, Seashell, we are all surrounded. Whereas different bands like in Haidegui or in the north, the Nishka or whatever, they live in isolation. There is no white people in that area. Mm-hmm. So they get to live in their way, in their manner, that historically their people lived. Mm -hmm. Whereas we can't. Right. We can't revive what was taken from us. Mm -hmm. We just have to make the best of it. Mm -hmm. So I think what we're doing here in this community is we're sharing. We share the dance in the longhouse. We share our culture. We share our language. And, our, and the people in our municipality are enjoying it. Mm -hmm. They want to be part of it. So I think when we talk about reconciliation, we were doing it decades before the government even thought about it. Mm -hmm. Because we were very progressive that way. So you were the youngest chief in Canada, correct? Yeah, at that time, yeah. And... Um, Seashell Nation was also the first nation to self-govern. Mm -hmm. And what does that self-governing mean? How did that show up? How could you... How could you uh, what was the difference, maybe, that way? From other bands? Well, just that question alone is... Um, something that our young people can't even answer. Because mm -hmm. they never experienced the way we lived. They never experienced... The, the life that was taken away from us. You know, the way of life will never be brought back again. The way... The archaeological teams that are discovering now that our people who occupied this land were in the thousands. Mm -hmm. the, it's between 50,000 and 250,000 people of my people mm -hmm. who occupied this land. And if you really think about that, then that whole way of life, the five or four chiefs who ruled, they ruled with an iron hand because there were so many people. They had to maintain control mm -hmm. of the land, the resources, the foods, medicines, and the way it was gathered and used by our people. That was a simple way of governing. It was one of respect. We respected one another. Mm -hmm. we, there was no words like greed. There were no words like kill. There, were no, there was no sense of violence in our culture. Our culture was harmonious. Our culture was built on love. Love for one another. Love for oneself. So we were very healthy that way until the disruption mm -hmm. 
when they came and started taking from us. So our self-sufficiency disappeared, our self-reliancy disappeared, our self-respect disappeared. Now we're trying to bring it back, but it's kind of difficult. But knowing and understanding that some families may want to move back, go way back into the village. Mm -hmm. That could happen. A lot of young people are thinking that way. It's getting too crowded here. It's getting too noisy. Um, but our land is still out there. Mm -hmm. We still can move back. And I know my family wants to. Really, huh? Yeah. Mm. Because of the way that the world is coming about with the violence mm -hmm. and that colonized thinking that they're setting up boundaries. This is my land. This is your land. This is my, this is my territory. This is my highway. This is my, everything is built that way, in the colonized thinking. Mm -hmm. Whereas, in the old days, we shared everything. Right. There was no such thing as mine. Properties that, and stuff. That's yeah, boundaries. Just not the thing. Yeah, those things. Yeah, I just can't imagine it. I, it's just hard to imagine it ever going back to the to the way that that you're describing, which I would personally I would really appreciate. To me, it just seems very obvious if if that process of reconciliation was, you know, progressing <clears throat> year by year. I would like to see the nation, just basically, taking the the ability to govern, like you say from the entire land, right? And that doesn't necessarily mean that people have to move out and relocate. It's just a way that the ways would be uh, restored, would be a real true thing, you know? Like, I don't know if, if that's an ambition that say you have or, or uh, your son and grandson or anybody in the nation have that, or are you just kind of gonna settle on the, on the blending, just letting people be here and, and trying to work with what we have. I think we don't have any choice. You don't have a choice. We're blending, we're integrating. Yeah. And it's happening naturally. So our young men, a lot of our young men are marrying white girls and vice versa. Yeah. So that how are you going to stop that? You can't. But we accept it and mm -hmm. they, we, we bring in those people mm -hmm. and they become part of our people. Which brings up the question, um, take you for example, you're mm -hmm. a European, you came into this country for a reason, whereas I never leave this country. Mm -hmm. I have no reason to go to Poland, mm -hmm. I have no reason to go to Europe, I don't want to. I'm happy where I am, mm -hmm. I'm content where I am, mm -hmm. I don't need to go and find out about other people. Yeah. Um, but then, how do we, how do we understand that? These people keep moving in here every year. Some leave, some move in, more leave, more move in. It's hard to even keep track of. Mm -hmm. But we can keep track of our people, we know. We know what's going on. Do you know everybody in the nation? Pretty well, yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah. That's amazing. Like, I was in the hospital last night yeah. when I knew that young man was dying. So I was there 
you know, before midnight. And he passed away at midnight. So the word gets around real quick. So, so-and-so is sick, boom. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're, we're on it, you know. But then, but then there's other families who, European families who want to be part of what we are. And a lot of them belong to the CIA, which is that organization to help to bring it back, bring about the reconciliation and all that. Yeah. You know, there are a lot of people in the peninsula who want to give back their land to us. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people who want to pay their taxes to us, not to the government. Yeah, I feel that it's only natural. Well, it should, I you mean. Know, that seems it, only makes sense to if me. If we're going to build this community the way it should be built, yeah, we should collect the taxes. We should build it together. Yeah, We shouldn't have to share that with Justin Trudeau mm-hmm. or anybody else. Yeah, You know, we're building a community here. Yeah. You know, Is there an average chance for that? I think... Um, if our leadership got courageous enough to do that, then there's ways of doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think if I was chief again, I, I would do that. Mm. But I'm getting too tired and too old for that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure you still have voice to. Uh, oh yeah, I still do. The younger generations and yeah, I'm still out there fighting to yeah. to protect and restore our forestry and whatnot. I still do all that kind of work. Yeah. Um, in the uh, the elders of the community, so one passed away. That's sad news. Is there like a council or a, like a how how can like the young generation work with the elders or elders work with the young generation? Is it organized in any way or or is it just natural? Do they? meet and seek that wisdom from from elders or does it happen only during like special events and times or is it like a very intimate kind of personal um connection that the the younger generations have with elders yeah it's it's um it's personal in a way but we do have gatherings of our elders like every week Mm -hmm. and uh, when the leadership need to consult with the elders for whatever reason they they will call on the elders to meet with them to get their their thinking and their posi- positions on different things um, so that that's ongoing mm-hmm. um, but personally um, like my great grandchildren they come here like every other month or every other week and we have family dinners and and they know and they respect who I am. Mm-hmm. And they they listen to what I have to say. And then it's passed on to the younger ones. So each family needs to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm grateful that of who I am, because I know and I hold all that knowledge and history of not only my family, but many other families. Mm-hmm. Because I, I was taught that, right? Mm-hmm. So I try to share that with other families too, and they all do. They all know that I do carry that knowledge and history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a huge like this is basically the only way for the nation to maintain the cultural integrity, right, and for the culture to persevere. 
to be connected with the elders and then pass that knowledge and uh, seems like a very natural and obvious way that uh, me coming from you know Western culture although not even like I, f I feel like me being from Eastern Europe is a little different I can recognize the Western way versus the way I was brought up mm -hmm. which was very similar we had a lot of like a learned respect for the for the elders and mm -hmm. how we re you know refer to our grandfathers and grandmothers and that's kind of where that knowledge was kept but mm -hmm. but even as I was growing up it's been diminished it was less and less of that and we kind of grew ignorant and I see more of that ignorance even in a western culture alone and I'm, I'm sure it's not everybody but it seems to be like a like a way of like removing the elders wisdom from the society you know and even last week i was interviewing that uh, lady who used to be a chaplain at the um, care home in gibson's with all the elderly people and uh, her her account of that to me at least was really really sad you know like their exclusion of the elders from the society is exactly opposite to what actually should be doing we as people to prevail to to maintain a culture a very 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 sad and counterintuitive way of, of dealing with it. and i really can't pinpoint to any other way or reason for that to happen than than going away from spirituality mm -hmm. you know like seems like the spirituality and culture and it's and language is the only kind of way to to maintain that um yeah, so you're talking about, you're probably talking about Christian Village. Yeah. Yeah, I did some work there. Um, yeah, that's the big difference between our culture and no culture. That's right. You know? Um, and it's hard for me to comprehend that, um, to see there's people like that living in total isolation. Um, I can't even comprehend that. You know, is it I, just I convenience, you know, like, oh, it's inconvenient to look after older people, so we make, like, prisons, essentially. <laughs> yeah, we, we put them away. Yeah. We put them away and hide them away, and that's it. We just pay money mm -hmm. for people to keep them there. Mm -hmm. That's the way I see it. Yeah. Where what kind I, of work did you do there? I was just, like, a consultant. I worked at... Uh, Sumac Village too, which is a mental health place in Gibsons. That's right. Yeah, yeah, you mentioned that. I worked there too. Can you tell me again those stories about how you managed to connect with people who never, never managed to connect with anybody? Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I think it's about again. It's about spirituality. Mm -hmm. So uh, the way I see schizophrenic people, they've lost their spirit. You're just like a zombie walking back and forth. Mm -hmm. You know, they're totally in a different world. For whatever reason, put them there. I can't, I can't even think about how, what trauma had put them there. Whether it be a combination of a horrific, horrific past experience combined with different pharmaceutical drugs that 
took away that spirit. So as I observed that when I worked at the Sumac mental health place, I slowly, like I know I'm very content and I'm very, um, I understand who I am. So when I sit down with a group of people, I know, I know they're going to be attracted to that. Mm -hmm. Right? A lot of my young girlfriends are attracted to that. Mm -hmm. Human beings are that way. So when I sat with these group of people, I could feel them, these schizophrenic people. So my little group that was sitting here, they were expressing their, their joyfulness of being with me. They would giggle, they would laugh, they would ask questions, and I would, I would sing more songs and I would tell them more stories. So eventually these people walking back and forth were listening. I could tell they were listening. And pretty soon they were joining us. They would come and say, can I sit down? I said, yeah, come sit down. One lady, the one I was telling about, who never spoke to anybody for two years, she came and sat right beside me. She wanted to be close to me. Mm -hmm. And we became friends. And that's when the doctor came up and said, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. She hasn't talked to anybody for two years. Now she's here sitting beside you like she's your mm -hmm. best friend, talking with you normally. I say, yeah, well, she feels my spirit. She feels me. She wants to be close to me. Mm -hmm. And if you can imagine going back thousands of years, our medicine people did that very same thing mm -hmm. to maintain mental stability mm. by storytelling by sharing love. It's that simple. Mm. So one thing is you're encouraging Dao with the way you are. Another way, another thing that just occurs to me is that she must have felt understood or felt that she's not being seen in a way that she doesn't Right? Yeah, true. Yeah. That's and very common, other, yeah. And the other ones felt the same way eventually. Mm -hmm. When they got comfortable with me, they wanted to be part of me. They wanted they were asking questions. And yeah. Out of the three or four people it grew into fifteen people. Mm -hmm. A lot of them were very schizophrenic mm -hmm. and mentally unstable. So wouldn't that encourage like the the Sumac as a institution or you know mental health facility to bring more of that wisdom teachings and they people? they wanted to but during that time the the uh, epidemic was happening so uh, and I and I refused to take the the back inoculation mm -hmm. I refused oh and you weren't allowed so I wasn't I was banned from there yeah until I took the shot. Right. Which I said I never will. Right. How, why not? Because I only believe in myself. When they first introduced that, when Justin Trudeau came on the news and said that this time around the indigenous people 
will be top priority. They will get their mm-hmm. inoculation first. I went, what? Yeah. We're not going to be denied? So why do they want to inject us first? I look back in the history and I go, fuck, they want to get rid of us again. Right. So I said to my, my uh, health team, I said, tell me what's in that needle. Yeah. They couldn't tell me. Mm-hmm. Tell me the effects of that needle. Yeah. They couldn't tell me. Right. Is it going to have after effects? They couldn't tell me. And I said, you're telling me that I should take that? This is my own people. I said, that's bullshit. So wasn't there quite a divide in the nation about that too? Well, the very next day, we had two elders ended up in hospital with strokes. Right. The day after, we ended up with two people in there, young men who had double pneumonia. And it goes on and on, but nobody would talk about that. Mm-hmm. Nobody would address that. But I kept track. And about a year later, more elders died. The, the elder that was carving the totem pole, him and his wife, they both died the same day after they got their booster shot. And they were way younger than me. Mm-hmm. And I'm out there in public all the time. I do a lot of public speaking. I'm not afraid of my health. I know, I know. In my character, I know that I'm strong. I know that my spirit is strong. Mm-hmm. And my spirit will carry me through. Do you have any fears? Isn't that the important thing? Yeah, no fear of death or anything. I, yeah. I, that's the difference between our culture and our religion, is that we believe that after death, we believe in karma, we believe all those things. When my job, if I die here before my job is finished, I know I'll come back to finish that job. Mm. Uh, Our people believe that. Mm -hmm. And I certainly believe it. What's your job? My job is to bring and share the knowledge, the healing and the wellness that was taken from us. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm trying to do. Bringing back that understanding, not just to my people, but all the people in in this community. Mm -hmm. That's why I do a lot of the work that I do. Yeah, just to bring that understanding. Do you work mostly with your grandson or with your son also? About the. I do a lot of work with my grandson now. Yeah. My son, he's content in what he does. And he's he's a good man. So I'm happy for my family the way it is. Right. I'm happy that my grandson has taken on that role. And I have grand daughters are doing the very same thing in a different way in a different manner Mm. so like my youngest daughter she has a catering business but she caters to all the elders she makes she cooks for the elders she cooks for any of the events or funeral services that may happen Mm -hmm. my daughter is always out there providing food for the people Mm. so she does her part in her own way, and I'm doing my part. What's her name? Charlene. Charlene. Yeah. How many children do you have? I had two girls that survived, and I have a boy. Right. Yeah. Beautiful. And they have children. Yours. I know your grandson has children. Yeah. 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 And the daughters. Yeah, they do. Yeah. And the 
grand do you have granddaughters too? I do. Yeah. And they all have children already? Not really. I have a great granddaughter now. Okay. She's ten, I think. Yeah. That's Sito's daughter. Yeah. The one who's in the film. Mm hmm Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Is there a possibility of people who are willing or maybe not, I'll come back to the question. I might, my other question was, in your opinion, is there room for different spiritual paths uh, or cultures to coexist here on the, on the Shishan land in a harmonious way? Say, like, referring to, because there is a lot of suffering, trauma caused by Christian ways, right? Is there a way to for the for the Christian ways and and, and indigenous ways to coexist still in a harmonious way? I think you should pose that question to them. Because I think the the people in the world are becoming aware now and demoralized by the religions that are introduced to them mm -hmm. through either the Roman Catholic way or or the European way. Mm -hmm. It was always done with the intent of not providing that religion to the people and interpreting that religion to suit their purposes. Whereas ordinary people just want to believe mm -hmm. that there is a savior, that mm -hmm. there is someone up there that's taking care mm -hmm. of their affairs, you know. That kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Very corruptive, the way. Yeah. And it's it's really people's feature. I feel like it's it's how people are. If they lose their spirituality and they, the greed takes over or the, the will, the need for power, like wanting more power, it seems like religion is like a very obvious tool to use to just rule people better. Well, not that, just that, it's a brainwashing too. Mm -hmm. they're, they're, even in the news that we watch now, they want you to believe in what they're telling you. Mm -hmm. That news, is that really happening? Mm -hmm. You know, they want you to believe that. Mm -hmm. Even with the epidemic, you know, yeah. they, you know they're, they're saying, oh, maybe the Chinese initiated this, maybe, maybe the Mexicans, or maybe they plant that thought in your brain. Mm -hmm. It could not very well be that. It may be the government devised and introduced that that virus. Mm -hmm. Who knows? Mm -hmm. You know, because there's too many people in the world. Yeah. There's food shortages and all those things. The powers of the world are the ones that are directing all of this. Mm -hmm. Do you? Do you track closely? Like, do you follow the world affairs? What's happening? I don't really follow it, but you know, I, I, I see parts of it and I understand it. Like, I really believe, I believe, I really believe in history, repeating itself. Mm -hmm. So I learned, I read a lot of books like, eleventh century, twelfth century, mm -hmm. England, Germany, about how, how they treated one another, how they treated their people. Horrific. Mm -hmm. And I see that being brought back again, you know, with the wars that continue to grow in Europe. Mm. Is it, will it ever end? Will the war in the Middle East ever end? Mm -hmm. No, mm -hmm. never. I often ask, why were the Jewish people always attacked, going way back to the Roman days? Mm -hmm. Why? You know, 
And sometimes I hear people saying, well, what happened to Jews is what happened to your people. Mm. Well, kind of. But for us, they wanted our, they wanted all of our land and our resources, right? Mm -hmm. And just to eliminate all of us. Right. It wasn't about the indigenous people. It was about the land. And, about the yeah. land. Mm. Yeah. So, the spirituality and the culture, indigenous culture, has been basically eradicated to a big extent over the years and people like you trying to bring it back and, and restore it and, uh, and the local society and uh, we observed similar um, tendencies in the western culture that people went away from spirituality and that spirituality has been abandoned do you have a, any thoughts on that why why do western culture abandons their spirituality too i think again you have to go back in the history of what had happened in Europe with religion mm. and how religion was used like a weapon, you know, politically. Yeah. So they have no faith in the religion. They have no confidence in the religion. They don't have real confidence in the leadership of the religious ways in Europe. But ours has not been eradicated. Mm -hmm. It's been put away and we're bringing it out again. Yeah. We're reviving it because it's so meaningful to our people and to the land. Mm -hmm. And but the message is tremendous. And even on Saturday when uh, when the, uh, Marukami that was leading the ceremony, at the end he was talking about that at the end of the day what the plant medicine is trying to, what's it used for is to restore that love and then make sure that the people go back to love and to the loving ways and, and that message was really powerful and that's what you said earlier today too and um, yeah, it's, it's very, to me it's very intuitive. On a personal level, I'm like, this is the, the only way, right? To make, to make things work again and unless that love is not being prioritized, then it seems like things won't change for better. Yeah, you have to think about, at least I try to think about it with, what is the purpose? What is the purpose of life? Your life compared to my life. Mm -hmm. A European life compared to our indigenous way of life. Mm -hmm. What is their purpose? Ours is so much different. You know, we don't, we don't need to have things I don't need to have a Jeep, I don't need to have another car, I don't need to have any of those things. Mm -hmm. I can live without it. Mm -hmm. My people will provide for me, mm -hmm. you know. I can just jump in my canoe and take off, and I would survive in my land. Mm -hmm. I would. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference, I think, between the two cultures. Mm -hmm. And that's another reason why we will never leave our land. I would never want to move to to Europe. Mm. You know, I have no reason to. Yeah. You know, like when I moved here, it was a new place to be, but in the last six years, the feeling that I have about living here is I've lived it maybe that way. I I lived in various places in the world. 
after leaving Poland, I lived in Europe. I spent some time in California. I spent some time in the Middle East. I traveled a little bit, you know. And this is the only place that I've moved to that feels like home. And I don't really think of Poland as home anymore. Like deeply, I just, this feels like home. And ever my, um, up my, my youth, especially adolescence, I always had that conviction that I should be living by the, by the water, you know, like felt that this is my way to be. And, and it was a, f a series of circumstances and flukes that brought me here and it was never like conscious, but seems like I was meant to just come here. And then so my question for you would be, would a person like me be able to say, embrace the culture that's yours and, and more, live that way? More people are. I mean, there are many, many movie stars, famous people who are coming into our villages. They'll come into our longhouse and watch the, the singing and the drumming and the dancing, and they, they get the feeling. Many of them have come mm -hmm. to experience that, and they feel so so content after after being witnessing all that. And I have a girlfriend. She is. She has Scandinavian background, but she's a therapist, she's a psychologist. Mm -hmm. Her and I worked together. And then one day she said, I have a special feeling about you. Um, to me, it's kind of confusing. She said, I, I love you in a different way. Mm -hmm. um, so I said to her, like we're brother and sister? She goes, yeah. Um, Sometimes I have such affection for you, I feel guilty. And sometimes I want to tell my husband about it, but then I don't, she said, because I don't understand the love that I have for you. Mm -hmm. So her and I, we sat down at dinner and we talked about all that. Let's start with the word spirit. The spirit travels the world in split seconds. The science behind that, no one knows. In a former life, thousands and thousands of years ago, I said to this lady, you and I might have been brother and sister. Mm. Who knows? She said, yeah, because I have dreams about being in ceremony with you and being in ceremony with Native people. I think they're just dreams, but I said, no, they're visions that in a former life, you and I were connected, whether we were brother and sister or we were former lovers. Mm -hmm. Who knows the way this world is built? Mm -hmm. The stars and the energy, who knows? I don't know. 
But I said, I know that I have a connection for you, mm -hmm. and you have a connection for me. And it's one of respect. Mm -hmm. It's not one of, I want to jump in bed with you and, mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. No, it's not that. It's up to people who really do a lot of meditating and they really think deeply about their former life and about their spirituality of who they are mm -hmm. for each person to discover that. What is my purpose here? And I had this discussion with a Polish girl that came from Poland to spend a year with me. We talked about this. Mm -hmm. I said, you have to do your own meditation and research in your own mind to understand your purpose in life. Something made you leave your country to travel the world and you eventually ended up here with me. Don't you think that was a purpose? Was I said, yeah, it was meant to be. Mm -hmm. Who, as a little girl, who would have thought in your little mind that you'd be sitting up here way high up in the mountains mm -hmm. with this old chief? Mm -hmm. Would you ever have thought of that then? But here you are. Mm -hmm. You're here right now. We're way up in this mountain. Mm -hmm. Nothing around us, just silence. You're looking at me and I'm looking at you. You're blonde, you're blue-eyed. Mm -hmm. I'm black-haired, dark-skinned. But you're connecting with me. She goes, I am. Mm -hmm. And I love the land. I don't want to live, leave here anymore. Mm -hmm. You know? So, I think it's up to people who, who grasp that and understand that, that intelligence, and try to place that somewhere where it shows them their purpose in life and guides them, guides them to where they're going to go. This happened with my Taiwanese doctor. He had the same thing. He ended up here being my doctor for 25, 30 years. And he got to share his life, his experience with me and my, and my way of life I shared with him. So I've had that experience this more than once. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't, um, I don't have any qualms about other people wanting to join in becoming who we are mm -hmm. or becoming part of this life. Who says you can't? Is there a creator that says, no, just brown people over here, mm -hmm. white people over there? I mm -hmm. don't think so. Mm -hmm. I don't think so. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that's my own personal thinking. Mm -hmm. Because I've gone through it. You know, I've seen it and I understand People in the world are searching for something. And they're very special people. That's why you're out here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's great to hear. I keep, uh, what keeps um, occurring to me and becoming more and more clear with that purpose of life that you mentioned is uh, the life's purpose seem to be the actions that we take. You know, how we what I would dedicate our life to that gives the life the purpose, you know? I feel like people look for purpose but forget to live. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, no, no, that makes a lot of sense. <clears throat> we don't, um, I don't really search for that, what my purpose is. 
what comes to me tomorrow or the next day, I can't help it. Mm -hmm. It's just going to happen. So I just roll with it. I think um, in the intelligence of the world, was it a creator who put us all here? Or was it a super being? Like a star, star people. Did star people place certain people in the world as highly intelligent people to discover different things that would help humanity? Who discovered energy? And why did they use that energy to create the atom bomb? Mm -hmm. Why did they use it the wrong way? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Certain people were placed in this world to make those discoveries, to make life easier. Who discovered radio? Why did they discover radio? To use in the war? Mm -hmm. It was misused. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think about all these things. Yeah. Certain people are placed in this world. That star person or the creator placed me here for a reason. Mm. And I just follow it. I don't try to decipher it. I don't try to, to make uh, sense of it. I don't. I just keep doing what I'm doing. And Is it intuition that leads you? Would yeah, you call that, it an intuition? That too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It seems like I've been reading this book about the uh, the uh, the creation of morality and what morality is based in, and then the, the author of the book refers to that intuitive model of a person. You know, mm -hmm. like we we always we often associate and the psychologists associate the morality to our reason and in mind and how how we decide what's good or bad and stuff, mm -hmm. and he he goes off to kind of debunk this and and then say that before we make a conscious choice about reasoning about stuff and what's ethical or not, we already know before we even start reasoning. Yeah. Right? And so that intuition seems that this, uh, yeah, spiritual or godly or, you know, the, the something that we don't really have um, ways to uh, understand fully. All we can get do is be, be in tune with that a lot, you know. Um, do you think that we know without putting our rationale into it what's good and bad that we know from the day we're born what is good and what is not good is that something that you contemplate yeah I think that's built in into our social being you know Yeah. And, um, we're human beings and we've got to treat one another with that respect. Otherwise, we'd be like any other animal. Mm -hmm. I think that's instilled in us, that reasoning, what's good and what's bad. Like, I automatically know that if I'm having bad thoughts, I mean, that's fine. But to carry it out and react at is not good. Mm -hmm. When I took psychology, it was a topic one day about 
what is the fine line between sanity and insanity. They both can help one another. Mm -hmm. But it's up to us as individuals. Like you say, we already know before we got there what the answer was. Mm -hmm. But other people have different interpretations. And that's what I said to the psychologists and the professors and the masters of psychology is that it's all based on it's all based on guessing, you know, about psychologies and understanding the mind. But then the mind is connecting to the heart and the spirit. So there's a balance between here and here. And you as an individual decipher that. You decide that's bad, that's wrong, mm -hmm. this is good. You know, you do that. Mm -hmm. No one else does it for you. Yeah. Yeah. Seems like we get we get uh, distracted. We're really good in justifying to ourselves. It's like, oh, we know it's bad, for example, whatever we do or say. But we find a way of convincing ourselves that it wasn't. You know, like we are really good at that as humans. And to really be honest with ourselves, it's a skill. It's something that I think we need to be taught and reminded by uh, people like you. I think you know we need we need those elders to to keep keep us in check about those things. It's like the 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 term white lie. What is a white lie? Mm. You tell a white lie to protect your mate, your friend, mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. But then if it backfires, then it doesn't do anybody good. Mm -hmm. So you may as well be just truthful and upfront right away. Mm -hmm. And trust the other person to understand what you're trying to do. And I think that, that there are two key things. Trust, right? Mm -hmm. And it all has combined into love, trust, and all that. Yeah. Yeah. There is a term, let me get it right. It's called a... Um, Righteous deceit? Yeah. Do you think it's a thing? When you can be righteously deceitful? Yeah, that's true. Being a politician, I understand <laughs> that. <laughs> Is this a concept that could be applied into like morality in a good way? Do you think? Uh, not really, you know... Um, The way our old people Sound. Hello. I'll pause. Oh no. One pause. With a little interruption. Um It was a it was a great pleasure talking to you. <laughs> I I would uh, you know, I feel like there's probably an infinite amount of time we could spend talking about those things and you sharing your wisdoms and stories and stuff but uh, we'll have to do we have an emergency to attend <laughs> um, I, I do teach a class I'm going to teach a class probably in May again I've done I think I've done two or three already in my class with like 150 people per class and we did it in the longhouse class on on the same subjects you and I are talking about. Oh, beautiful. How can one know about this? It'll be put on um, 
um, it's advertised anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Through um, Capilano College, University, Elder College. Okay. All right, great. Yeah. I'll make sure to follow that. Yeah, I, I try to teach, um, well, I try to share the knowledge I have, like I'm sharing with you. Yeah. And uh, people need, people want to know. Like, even that schizophrenic people, that they wanted to know. They wanted, they wanted peace. They wanted, they wanted to be sane. They wanted to, you know, mm-hmm. I understand all that. And I'll probably end up working back there again. Because mm-hmm. they're, they're trying to touch base with me again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Thanks so much. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate your time. No, no problem. Yeah. I hope we... Uh, We'll get together soon, and for whatever reason. Okay. Thanks, he was. Thank you for listening to this episode. Please spare a moment and go to Spotify and rate my show. Also, if you have any feedback and thoughts, please share it with me. I always do appreciate when my listeners reach out. Thanks so much.